0: If you will this morning, would you turn in your Bibles? Hope you brought one. Mark chapter 14. The Gospel according to Mark, second book in the New Testament, chapter 14. <clears throat> As you turn there, I want us to think about Memorial Day and our, our holiday that we celebrate. It, it is much more than just a holiday. It, it is much more than just a three-day weekend that we look forward to to getting a day off. It's much more than just the start of summer end of school. It's much more than just the first opportunity to get a sunburn, which I did take that opportunity. Uh, but, but it's much more than that. It, it is a time that we set aside to recognize the American soldiers who've made the ultimate sacrifice for their country. This week as I was praying and studying and thinking about our story, by our story I mean our American story, how we got to where we were, how we are today, I thought about first the Revolutionary War. I thought about those 35,000 plus Americans who died to give birth to our nation. Those first uh, who gave their lives at Lexton and Concord and then to our founding fathers who signed the Declaration of Independence uh, right at the beginning of the war who knew that by signing that it would pretty much be like signing their death certificate. They would stand and take on the greatest empire of the world, all for our great experiment of democracy. But yet, we would gain the victory at the, Paris, at the Treaty of Paris, where America was recognized as a sovereign nation. I thought about the Civil War. I thought about the roughly 620,000, 620,000 Americans who died in the Civil War. I thought about the speech of Abraham Lincoln at, uh, at Gettysburg that he gave in 1863, that it, where he dedicated a portion of that battlefield as a cemetery for the Civil War. He began something you may have heard at fourscore and seven years ago. Our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. The whole speech from beginning to end was only 272 words. It took him right under two minutes to deliver that speech. It's very famous. You've probably heard of it before. But what you may not know about that day, there was a man named Edward Everett, uh, who was considered to be a great orator in his day. And he came before Lincoln in the program and gave him him an an address that lasted a full two hours. His speech was over 14,000 words long. It started something like this, standing beneath this serene sky, overlooking these broad fields, now reposing from the labors of the waning year, the mighty allegiances dimly towering before us, the graves of our brethren beneath our feet. Now, you've probably not heard much of his speech before, but you have heard of Lincoln's. Lincoln's speech pretty much left uh, the sacrifice of those who died to speak for itself, and I think today we should do the same. I thought about World War I, where out of the 10 million deaths during World War I, 116,516 Americans died, more than half of those from disease disease. Those men and women gave their lives all across the European continent to assure the Allied victory and for our continued freedom, only to be challenged once again by communism during World War II. When in World War II when over 405,399 Americans died, starting first with a surprise attack in Pearl Harbor, going all the way to D-Day there on the French beaches, all the way to the Pacific, theater, which was the most deadliest battle of the war, where our troops fought bravely and sacrificed greatly to give the Allied powers victory and once again secure our freedom. I thought about the Korean War, where over 36,574 soldiers died. The Vietnam War, where 58,000, 58,220 Americans paid the highest price. I thought about Operation Desert Shield, or Desert Storm, where 148 US battle deaths occurred and 145 non-battle deaths. thought about Operation Iraqi Freedom, where 4,422 service members died. thought about Operation New Dawn, where 66 service members paid the highest price. And Enduring Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom, where over 3,517 US serv- service members died. I was struck when I went to the Korean monument Uh, last year and to see that beautiful memorial and and at the end of it to see engraving in stone was these quotes and it hit me like a back bag of rocks and i still remember it to this day it was a quote from the secretary of defense frank carlucchi here's what he wrote our nation honors her uniformed sons and daughters hear this who answered their country's call to defend a country they did not know and a people they had never met Why would soldiers from America, men and women, be willing to sacrifice their life to go to a country they'd never been to, to fight for a people they never knew? I believe it was for the simple truth and fact of freedom. I believe not only in America do we stand for freedom of Americans, but we stand and believe in the freedom for the whole world. Um, uh, I thought about it was simply because not only we founded on freedom, but we are founded on these self-evident truths that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. As I stand among you today, I don't know about you, but I am very proud to be an American. I'm very proud to stand for what we stand for in this country and, and for those who have paid with their lives for the price of freedom, and I pray that you are as well. And I also don't want to uh, forget uh, all those in law enforcement and those EMTs and firefighters who uh, have paid the ultimate sacrifice and who continue day by day uh, to offer themselves for our safety. So uh, as a church from Basil Baptist Church, I say thank you. Thank you very much for your service. Now, as we talk about, I want to talk to you this morning about those who paid it all. And I'm so thankful for the military and Uh, service people who have paid it all. This morning, I want to think about a couple other people who have paid it all. So if you will, out of respect of the Word of God, would you stand as we read Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 3. It says, And being in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, such an interesting character, we'll talk a little bit about him today, we don't have too much information on him, says he, he, capital in your Bible, he, speaking of Jesus, sat at the table... A woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke. Listen to what she did. She broke the flask and poured it out on his head. She broke it. What what is alabaster? It is a marble case. She would have brought that spikenard in, very expensive perfume. She broke it on his head, poured it out. Verse four. But there were some who were in indignant among themselves. They were angry. They were mad. And listen to what they said. Why was this fragrant oil wasted? Why was it wasted? Verse 5. For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. That's worth a year's wages. Why did you waste it, they said. They were mad about what they thought was the wasting uh, of this precious perfume. Verse 6. Listen. Listen to Jesus. He said... Leave, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. Ain't that what you want to hear as a child of God? You've done a good work for him. She said, he has done, she has done a good work for me. Listen what he says here. For you have the poor, this is an Old Testament quote. He says, for you have the poor with you always, and whatever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not have always. Verse 8, she has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached, in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial of her. We stand here today in Maysville, Georgia, people watching online all over this world, Hearing in the story of this woman from thousand miles away, thousands of years ago, Jesus, this is fulfilled today, said she would be told wherever the gospel was preached. How amazing is that? Why? We won't answer that question today. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray today, God, you would work in here. God, thank you for all those who have come. Oh God, it will all be in vain unless the Holy Spirit uses your word to touch our heart. We ask that would happen in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What an amazing passage of Scripture. I want you to, if you could, go in your mind to imagine the scene. Starting in verse 3, they were in Bethany, the house of Simon the leper. We don't know much about him. We know that, of course, he was a leper, but we know, we assume that he had to been healed, and presumably uh, by Jesus. You would not eat with a leper, uh, especially in that day and not even in this day. Why? Why? Uh, leprosy is contagious. Yeah, uh, uh, lepers in this time where they were outcasts, they were ostracized, they were not allowed into the temple to worship, they were not allowed in the marketplace, they were not welcome in everyday life. Um, so he at one time was a leper, but we assume that he is healed. Not only is he healed, he has extended an invitation to Jesus to come and have dinner with him. And this is not just any kind of dinner. This is a celebration dinner. Uh, you say, what are they celebrating? Well, uh, they're celebrating uh, the resurrection of Lazarus. Well, how do you know that? Well, in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this story is told. You know what? You know what we should do when we see a story told in all four gospels? Pay attention. <laughs> you see, Matthew and Mark was written first. Uh, they were very early written. And Luke and John wrote a little bit later, uh, co- a couple uh, decades later. And they, having known this was in their gospel, they wanted to rewrite it. They wanted to write it again to make sure people heard the story, to make sure they got the story. And from those others, especially John chapter 12, where John records him, we know that they are celebrating the resurrection of Lazarus. Now, you think about that just for one minute. You think about Jesus going to a funeral. <laughs> Jesus never went to a funeral. He didn't mess up. <laughs> I, I told the first service. I, um, being a preacher, doing funerals and weddings, uh, those are. Uh, I love doing weddings. I uh, don't mind doing funerals, but uh, weddings are so, uh, they're so fun. Uh, but you know what? I always have a, a, a tick of nervousness in a wedding night. Uh, and, and that's simply because if you mess up somebody's wedding, <laughs> that's a long time that you've got to deal with that. You mess up somebody's funeral, they're not... They're not there anymore. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. The family's there. You don't want to mess up anybody's funeral either, but you especially don't want to mess up anybody's wedding. Uh, but Jesus, uh, he didn't mess up any funerals. He just wrecked them. I mean, every funeral he went to, the uh, uh, it didn't continue. The dead person came alive, not only at Lazarus' funeral, but I'm reminded of his resurrection power when he's going through town. And, and Luke, and there's a, a a widow, her wife, her husband has died. and. There's her son in the casket. They're, they're marching that funeral, ready to go bury him. And Jesus sees that. He goes up to that casket. He says, Arise, son, arise. There he met another funeral. He done wrecked it, and he is alive. Uh, and Peter's mother in law. I mean, over and over again, Jesus doesn't do, do too well at funerals. Uh, but so here they are. They're celebrating. Uh, what is taking place? And uh, many people would have been at this, uh, this celebration. We know that the disciples were there. Those, those are the disciples are the ones speaking. And we know from John chapter 12, verse 5, that Judas was among those. And the other disciples would have been there. Simon the leper, he would have been there. Um, but there's another character in the story. This woman. This woman. We know from John chapter 12, this is Mary, Martha, Martha's sister. We know Martha would have been there. She is Mary and Martha are the uh, sisters of Lazarus. Lazarus was their brother. He'd been dead four days when Jesus raised him from the dead. And and this woman, she sneaks out of the house. She goes and gets this costly perfume in an alabaster uh, flask uh, of spikenard. And she comes in and breaks it and pours it out upon uh, the head of Jesus. Now, this is interesting. It it says that um, she came in with that flask, but it was very costly oil of Spikenard. One of the great uh, joys of studying this week for this was answering this question. Where did she get this from? Um, Mary was not high high class. She uh, She was middle class. She wasn't poor. She wasn't rich. But this amount of perfume, this costly perfume, which was worth, Judas says at the bottom, a year's wagers, uh, this was only uh, perfume that kings had, that royalty had. What was she doing with it? Well, um, scholars believe it, it would have been her inheritance, passed down from generation to generation, and that she would have had it probably in her hope chest. Do you know what a hope chest is? You ever heard of that? You did. Um, uh, my wife and my mother-in-law are here this morning. I thought this was really cool. I'd never even heard of this uh, before. Um, when I got engaged to my wife, she said, oh, check out my hope chest. I was like, what? <laughs> What's that? Uh, year after year, her mother had given her plates and cups and uh, tiles for the kitchen. I mean, just different things that go in a home for her looking forward uh, to getting married and having a ho- house over her home. She had a hope chest. and I thought that was pretty cool. I'd never even heard of such a thing. I thought that was a neat tradition. Well, that was a very popular tradition in Mary's time, in the time of Jesus. And she would have had that, that uh, spikenard, that perfume, Charles. She would have had that, kept that. And I believe that was probably her, her rainy day fun. You know, if everything goes bad, you know, you you keep some money in that savings account. Just in case everything goes wrong, you got a a backup plan. Well, I believe that would have been her. If something, everything in life goes wrong and I lose everything, I can sell that. And I can still have some money to get by until things get right. So I believe it's her security blanket. It was something she, it was her inheritance she had kept. And now she's got it. And listen, it was custom of that day. Um, when at, at a meal, at a celebration, that the host would maybe wash the feet of the guest. We see Jesus doing that in John chapter 13. That wasn't uncommon. But another, if they didn't, if the host didn't wash the feet, they would come around with a, a drop of perfume and put it on the feet. Uh, you can imagine why they would do such a thing in that day. Um, and uh, so he, here's, the, here's, here's the story Mary comes in with that. With that oil, you know, hey, she's got the good stuff. Man, she brought the good stuff out for this. She's going to give us all a drop for our our feet. It'll be smelling good. But she doesn't. She does the unexpected. She breaks it open. Uh, She couldn't uh, just give a little bit. She gave all of it. She broke all of it. All of her inheritance, her safety blanket, all that she had, her very best. She broke it upon the head, broke it and poured it out on Jesus. So the question I ask is why? Why did she do such a thing? Well, the simple fact of the matter is that she gave her all. First thing I want you to write down and think about this text is she gave, the, the, her sacrifice was full. It was in fullness. She gave all that she had. She gave the very best that she had. And as I studied that this week and I thought about this week, be honest, I was encouraged. I don't know why was you encouraged? Because so I thought about preaching today and I thought about coming before you um, uh, I was very nervous, just to be honest. I, I had the great privilege of every Sunday morning getting to hang out with these great kids and, and teaching them, love them. But I'm going tell you, they're a challenge. That's a smart group right there. And if you're not on your A game, that group will call you out on it. I mean, you got to be good, and you got to be good for a while, or they'll check out, you know. I mean, So they're a challenge, aren't they, Miss James and Stephanie? we got to be on our toes with them. They're a smart group. And uh, but, uh, but coming today is, is a little different, you know, a little bit bigger crowd. And, uh, but it's intimidating. Just to be honest, my heart of heart, I was a little intimidated. And uh, you say, why? Well, I, I, on Monday mornings, I love to hear Pastor Shane's sermon from Sunday, and it, it challenged me, it revs me up, get me ready to go. Man, I love how he preaches the Scripture, such a great expositor. I mean, an amazing man of God. I love Pastor Shane the way he preaches. It's a blessing to my heart, and I know it is to yours. I mean, it, I, you don't want to follow an ad like that. And you get Pastor David. Pastor David, he can, I mean, you know, he'll pump you up and get you ready to go. I love that. don't get no better than that. Well, then, last Sunday night, Mark Thomas preached, our college and career pastor. And I, went, I was at home. I was sick. And I get a call Monday morning from my grandmother. She said, hey, who was that man that preached Sunday night? I said, that was Mark Thomas, our college and career guy. Man, he can preach it. And I was like, yeah, he can, he can chuck the corn. He can do it. I heard him do it. Um, you know, and so hearing all that, I'm a little intimidated. I thought, God, what? I can't, I can't back that up. I preach behind that, man. What do I have to offer? And God thumped me in the heart. Did you ever do that Do you? Just thump me in the heart, Brother D. Whip. he said, Look at Mary. She wasn't talented, she didn't have any special gift, but she gave what she had. In verse 8, it says, She did what she could. You have to imagine the scene for a minute. Think about who's at this feast, who's at this celebration. you got the disciples. I mean, you got Peter, James, and John, the inner circle. You've got men who have went out and done miracles under the authority of Jesus. You've got Peter who's going to preach to thousands. You've got Peter who's walked on water. You've got Jesus who is, uh, I mean... Fed thousands with just a little bit of fish and loaves. I mean, he's done miracle after miracle after miracle. He's the son of God. All right, you've got Martha, Mary's sister, who's here. She's Susie Homemaker. You know, she's got the lifetime subscription to Better Homes. You know, I mean, she's the woman, you know, that if her house is not clean by 8 30, she feels like she's, you know, sinning. I mean, she's the woman kind of like the man said at the middle of the night, I went to go use the restroom, come back, and my side of the bed was made. I mean, that was Martha. Everything had to be perfect. And that was her. Mary's not like that. That's not Mary. And Mary's looking around at all these all-stars. I mean, I imagine what would have been happening. Who do we have here? We have Simon the leper, and we have Lazarus. Simon, here, I believe probably an old testimony service. Y'all ever been in a good old testimony service? People just shouted out in testimony for the Lord. Here it is. I mean, imagine this, Simon the leper. Guys, I was a leper. I mean, I had sores all over my body. I was outcast. I was out, out there all by my own, the other lepers, and my body was covered with bulls and nasty scabs, and parts of my hands were falling off. I mean, I was a mess. I was going to die, and I, my friends and family were gone. I was just nothing. I couldn't go to the market, the temple. I mean, I was an outcast, and I, and I was had this terrible disease. But one day, Jesus came along, and he healed me, and he made me brand new, and I, I've never been the same. Look at my skin, not a sore. Look at my body. I'm perfect made new. Amen. And then you always got that one guy that's going to one up you. You know, I mean, you always got that friend. You're going to tell a joke. He's got a better one. You're going to tell a story. He's got a better, jo- better story. You know that guy. Uh, well, here's Lazarus. So well, you think that was a cool, Simon. But guess what? I was dead for four days. <laughs> and he brought me back to life. You know what I mean? I mean, that's pretty top that, you know? I mean, just an amazing time going on here. Oh, here's all these all stars. Here's all these testimonies. Here's Mary. She's, no, she's got nothing great, she's got no great talent. She don't walk on water. She ain't. You know, nothing. I mean, she's got nothing to offer. She probably slipped out of that party. Probably nobody even noticed she was going. Nobody probably noticed she was there to start with. A church like this, you may think somebody never notices you, but I can tell you Jesus does. She s- slips back in with all that she had, her most precious possession. She comes and she breaks that open, all that she had. Jesus said she has done a good thing. She didn't have the best or the greatest, but she gave all that she had. Friend, I want to encourage you with that today the way I was encouraged. You don't have to. It's time we quit comparing ourselves to other people. I wish I could sing like Brother Philip. Man, I, I wish I could. But I'm telling you, I can't. I, I need to apologize you guys on live stream. Um, I accidentally left my mic on while we were singing the national anthem. And that ain't good because I can hear you can hear me even though y'all can't. So I publicly apologize y'all had to hear me sing. But listen. I don't need to apologize. I, don't, I, don't, I don't. need to compare myself to Philip. I'm not Philip. I don't need to compare myself to Shane or David. That's not me. You don't need to compare yourself to anybody. Friend, you are you. And God's not asking you to do something uh, somebody else has or give something somebody else has or be somebody that somebody else is. God's asking you to be you and to give what you have. And he could take that. And I thought about that, thinking about that hope chest and thinking about um, this story. I thought about if Jesus had a treasure chest, what would be in there? What would be in there? Well, I tell you what, be in there. As I thought about it, I thought it'd be a widow's mite in there. I thought there'd be a little boy's lunch, just a few pieces of bread and some fish. I, I thought what uh, might be in there would be an alabaster box. You see, she, all these people, they didn't have much, but what they had, they gave it to the Lord, and He took it and He used it. You know, sometimes I see some, I see some people with great talent, and they have great. I mean, they're just beautiful, and they don't know Jesus, but they got it all together, got the how, I mean, got everything you could imagine. Think, man, if they would get saved. What would happen? Man, they could make a real impact for Jesus. I know you've seen those guys at school, and you talk about, man, if that quarterback got saved and got on fire for Jesus, man, he would turn this school around. Man, if something would happen, if that guy, you know, if he would do it. Friend, I've thought about that, and I've seen people, I thought, man, if they would just give their life to Jesus, what an impact they would make. And that's, that's a wrong thought. I've thought that, and I know you probably have too. You, you see, if I have my theology, right, which I may not, but it's not about what me and you bring to the table when we give our life to God. It's about what he brings to the table. The Bible says uh, when we get saved, he puts in us a, a divine nature. We're partakers of a divine nature. The Holy Spirit comes inside of us, and we'll submit ourselves to him. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, the life I now live, I, I, I've been crucified with Christ. The uh, life I now live is not my own, but it is Christ through me. And friend, that's the Christian life. It's not what we do or what we bring. But when we surrender to him, he'll live through us. And I thought about that. I thought about, oh, um, Abraham. Abraham was nothing but a pagan farmer, did he? That's all he was. Uh, David was, he was the run of the family, wasn't he? I mean, when they brought out all Jesse's boys to be king, they didn't even think about him. He was so small and so little. I mean, he was just an old shepherd boy. And uh, Jonah, he was nothing but a coward. Uh, the fishermen, you think about these fishermen, uh, or these disciples, that's all they were, simple fishermen. Nothing much to them, but yet they changed the world. Matthew, he was nothing but an old tax collector, a trader. Nobody even liked him, but yet God was able to take these people and do great things with them. Why? They were just ordinary people with ordinary talents and gifts, but God was able to take them and do extraordinary things, and he can do that with you, dear friend. Don't you think, just because you don't have the talent of somebody else, God can't use you in a mighty way. He really can. There's something that stands out. I haven't mentioned this all day. There's something that stands out in this text, in Mark's story, that doesn't stand out in any of the other stories of the uh, when this is recorded. Her name is not mentioned once. It says woman, this woman, this woman, her, her, her. Her name is not mentioned one time. I'm telling you, there's people who serve in this church who will never stand up here and preach, who will never sing in this choir. You'll probably never see them serving. But without them, they do what they can. Whether it be in the nursery, in the preschool, in the college career, and in the youth department, in all different apartments all over this church in different areas, in the food pantry, in the clothes closet, you, you name it, friend, they do it. And they serve, but they do what they can. They do what they can, and that, my friend, is a good work. It is a good work. Be encouraged by that. I was encouraged by that, but let me tell you what, I was also challenged by that. I was also challenged, and I hope you'd be challenged by that. She gave it all. When she broke open that flask, it wasn't as if that she could just give some of it. She had to give all of it at that point. You know, the Bible tells us, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, pick up your cross once a, Sunday, once, every, uh, once a week during Sunday and follow me. That's not what he says, is it? He says, pick up your cross daily. And I don't know about you, you may be closer to Jesus than I am, a little more holier than I am. But every, every time the Holy Spirit pricks me to do that, I, I always feel like, okay, God, I'm going to give you this. But I'm going to keep this over here in reserve just in case it don't go the way it's supposed to. I don't know if you feel the devil tugging you in that way. But, friend, if she felt it, she didn't give in to it. She said, here it is. It's all. She gave it all. Friend, I'm challenged by that today. I hope you are too. Is your life given out before the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it poured out? Are you a living sacrifice with hands wide open and say, God, it's all yours, every part of my life. If not today, if there's an area of your life that you're taking for your own, that you just won't by yourself. Let me just tell you, you you need to crucify it today. You need to give it to God so He can use it, so He can transform your life. So I was challenged by that. Keep, keep looking with me, if you will, in verse 4. So not only, I want you to see that her, um, her offering, her sacrifice, it was in full. It was in full. It wasn't just a little bit or 50%. It was in full. She paid it all. Verse 4. But there were some who were indignant among themselves. They were raging mad. And these aren't bystanders. These are the disciples. And they said... Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. We know from John chapter 12, verse 5, the person saying this is Judas, the traitor. It's Judas. And uh, Judas, uh, why was he so upset about this? Why was he thinking this was such a waste? What was his deal? The Bible says in John chapter 5 that he was a thief. You see, his, Mary's God was Jesus, but Judas's God was money, was money, have you ever, uh, I don't know, been to a church, and preachers, you know, same preacher will preach for years or so, but never mention money, and then one Sunday, you know, he'll talk on money, or preach on money, and then people will start to say, all he ever talks about is money, you know, people get offensive, you start preaching about money, or say something about money in church, can I tell you why that is, people don't like you to talk about their God, they don't like that, they don't like that, how many times, how many people have you heard say, I don't go to that church, because all they want is my money, you've heard them say it too, Why? What's their God? Money is their God. See, here's the deal. God doesn't want my money or need my money. God doesn't want money to have me. And that's true for you, too. That's true in the Bible. If a preacher didn't talk about money, he'd have to skip most of the Bible, because the Bible sure does talk about it a lot. God wants to protect us, make sure we have an abundant life. Because here's an example of Judas. Money became his God. Now, he was the treasurer of the disciples, people who would give them gifts. He was uh, embezzling that money. He's putting it in his pocket. And here he's so concerned about this money being wasted. Not only that, but we know just days later what he would do for a few pieces of coin. He would trade the very Son of God. It says they criticized her. <laughs> they criticized her. Um, uh, it doesn't take much size to criticize, does it? I like that say. It doesn't take much size to criticize. Uh, when I was at the church I was at, I, I made a challenge. We were doing fasting. We were doing different fasts, and uh, we were fasting—not food. We didn't fast food, but we were just. I was challenging the church to do different kind of fast. And uh, one of the fat, one week was the fast of criticism. My challenge was not to criticize anything or anybody for one week. One sweet woman, she come to me. She said. I've been, I, I barely could speak all week long. <laughs> I mean, some people just look for something wrong in every situation. I'm telling you, if you walk in this church looking for something wrong, you can find it starting right here in this pulpit with me today. I mean, if you want to find something wrong, you can find it. But I truly believe if you come in here searching for Jesus, you'll find him too. Friend, but here's what they were looking to criticize something, and they found it in Mary. Friend, it, it, when you, let me encourage you, Christian, when you lay your life down, surrender it to him. When you do that and you let him live through you, when you sacrifice yourself daily, pick up that cross. When you do that, people will point the finger. They may laugh. They may mock. They may do uh, different things. But listen, don't let that take your joy. Don't snoop to their level. Friend, the problem is not with you. It's with them. And, And you can't get worse to make them better. Does that make sense? You can't get worse to make them better. Look at Mary. She didn't get worse. Mary didn't quit. You know where Mary stayed? At the feet of Jesus. Every time we see her in Scripture, she's at the feet of Jesus. She didn't let their criticism steal her joy. I don't care what you do in this life. Can I just talk to you for a second? I don't care what you do in this life. You're going to be criticized. I don't care. You do one way or the other, you're going to be criticized. I mean, it's going to happen. And be careful if you're critical of the preacher, because he's the last one that gets to throw dirt on you. That's right, ain't it? Let's think about it for just a second. That's right. No, well, listen. She didn't care. She didn't let that bother her. She didn't let that bother her at all. She kept doing what she was doing. You see, they said, why did you waste it? You see, waste is always compared to worth. Waste is measured in what something is worth. If you wasted a lot, then whatever you wasted was worth a lot. If it wasn't worth a lot, then you truly didn't waste a lot. But They said, you've wasted a whole year's salary here. Not in her mind not in Mary's mind, in Mary's mind and her attitude, there was nothing she had too good for Jesus. Nothing she had too good for Jesus. You know, you have those people in your life that you would do absolutely anything for. I mean, there's certain people in your life that you love that you'd not only give the shirt off their back, you'd lay your life down for them, and you would do anything for them. Anything you had is theirs. That was Mary. Mary for Jesus. Anything I got, Lord, is yours. And the question we need to ask ourselves today, is that us? Do we have that attitude? Attitude of gratitude. Not so he'll love us, but because he loves us. She was so overwhelmed with what Jesus was about to do. She anoints him, Jesus says, uh, for the body for burial. She knew. She knew that he was getting ready to take on her sins and die on the cross for her sins. She was so overwhelmed that the Son of God would come down to this earth and walk among her, and she would get to know him and love him, and that she would die on the cross in her place. He would secure a place in heaven for her and a purpose on this earth. She was so overwhelmed with that thought that she didn't mind giving it to her. In her mind, he was fully worth it. And can I tell you, friends, he is worth it. Friend, if you've ever wondered if he's worth it, friend, he is worth it. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, Let you have the same mind that was in Christ, who the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself even to death in death on a cross. Therefore, listen to this, one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Friend, he's worth it, and one day every tongue will confess, every knee will bow, and everybody will know that he is worth it. But friend, he is worth it. Write it down. He is worth our worship. In verse 6, listen to what Jesus said. Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. Don't you like that? She's done a good work for me. Listen to what Jesus says right here. So first, what we saw was the fullness of her sacrifice. She gave it in full. But secondly, I want you to notice the focus of her sacrifice. The focus. Not just in fullness, but it was focused upon something. It was focused upon Jesus and what he was going to do in the gospel. But look at verse 7. This is interesting. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not always have. And almost when you first read this, at first glance, it looks like Jesus doesn't care about the poor. It seems that Jesus uh, disregards the poor. Well, forget about the poor. Think about me, almost, the way it reads. But that's not true. This is an Old Testament quote from Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 11. And the the quote simply uh, is, is this verse. You have the poor with you always. But the verse goes on to say, Treat the poor with an open hand. Give to the poor. Jesus is not um, thinking less of the poor, not thinking of the poor. He is considering the poor. But what he is saying is she has her priorities right. She's done a good thing because she put me first. She put me first. Why is it important that we put Jesus first in our priorities we put Jesus in front of helping others or Jesus in front of helping the poor I don't know about you I don't know if you know this we have a great food pantry I mean it's amazing to see that thing work we have a great clothes closet I mean it's amazing what well, we have a great way of branching out and helping our community in so many different ways we try to love others and serve the world here at Maze that's what we want to do but listen if we do that, we could give all the food out in the world. We could build all the homes around that people who need them. We could go all over this world and do all the humanitarian things that we could do. But listen, if we leave Jesus out of it, we're just making this world a better place to go to hell from. Friend, if we leave Jesus out of it, we're missing the mark. It's all for nothing. Her focus, uh, her sacrifice was focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he was going to do. Now, I believe when we get that in focus, we'll want to take care of the poor in Jesus' name. We'll want to serve in Jesus' name as a way uh, to share the gospel. She had her priorities right. She was known for this. You remember Luke chapter 10, when Mary and Martha, or Martha Jesus, is in their house, and Martha, old meatloaf Martha, she's preparing everything, and she's kind of flustered, and she says, Jesus, won't you tell Mary to get in here and help me? You remember what he said? She's at the feet of Jesus again. She said, She has chosen the good portion, and she will have it. She's chosen the good thing. She had a knack for sitting at the feet of Jesus, choosing the best thing. Now, why? Why? Uh, Why did she anoint his body for burial? How did she know it? That's a question many people ask. How did she know to do this? Well, I'll be honest with you, women. um, uh, The men didn't get it. You know why they didn't get it, all the disciples? It may be a man thing. I don't know. They didn't listen. (laughs) They didn't listen. Uh, that was a good place for an amen, women, if you missed it. Um, I mean, she... Uh, I, I mean, listen, Jesus told him over and over, five times in the gospel, very clearly, without sign or symbolism, Jesus says... I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, and three days later I'm going to raise again. He's, we have it five times in Scripture. They'll be telling how many, time, how many other times he told them that over and over again. I'm going to be crucified here shortly, and I'm going to be raised up three days later. Don't fear. I'm going to, but what happened when he died? Oh, they all went running and thought the world was going to end. I mean, it was all over with. Jesus told them it was going to happen. But they didn't what? They didn't listen. They, had, they were thinking about something else, as men tend to do. But she got it. She got it. Why did she get it? Where was she always found at? At the feet of Jesus. She's found at the feet of Jesus. friend. I don't know, if you, if you haven't been there in a while, that's a good place to be. I don't know about you, but as a Christian, uh, there's times I, I go without being at the feet of Jesus. There's times I go without being in the Word and in prayer. And, and I, get, I stray away from Jesus. But let me tell you this. It's, this morning, if you've just strayed away a little bit, you ain't been in God's Word in a while, you ain't been in prayer in a while, listen to me, if you're a true child of God, miss it don't you I mean you just genuinely miss it friend he says come back come back to the word open it up let me speak to you let me lavish my love upon you where was she at she was at the feet of Jesus Her sacrifice was a full sacrifice. It was a focused sacrifice. It was about his burial. Verse 9, Surely I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached. It was focused on Jesus. It was focused on eternity. It says, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world. Isn't this not amazing? Wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done shall be told in memory of her. Wherever the gospel goes, this woman's story is supposed to go with her. Why? Because it was a full sacrifice, it was a focused sacrifice, focused on eternity. Friend, one of my favorite Bible verses, the first one I memorized, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Let me ask you a question. A thousand years from this day, what will there be about your life that stands? A thousand years from this day, what will be your memorial? What will they say at your funeral service? The Bible says, be careful to cling to riches, for they make wings and fly away. What's your inheritance are you going to leave? What difference are you going to make? A life that will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Can I I give you a little my how I feel like God called me into ministry? I was at a youth camp, and uh, I'm sure the sermons were great. I'm sure the (laughs) preachers were awesome. Um, But none of that got me. What got me was a song we sung. Here was the lyrics of the song. I really felt God calling me in this moment. Your light will shine when all else fades. Everlasting, your glory goes beyond all fame. In that moment, I realized I could spend my life doing whatever I wanted to do, but unless it was for his glory, it was all going to be for nothing. It was all going to fade away. It was all going to be worth nothing. When the dust faded, I I would have a wasted life. So question for him, a thousand years from now, what will stand about your life? For this woman, <laughs> This woman right here, what was her memorial? That wherever the gospel is preached, Friend, why? Because she stood on the gospel and she stood to make an eternal difference. I love the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. This story is overlooked a lot, but it's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And Joseph, you remember the Old Testament uh, when uh, they had a great famine and he was the coat had the coat of many colors. Y'all remember that story? And uh, the, the, his brothers tried to have him killed, but he become, you know, king really in Egypt. He only answered to Pharaoh. He got favor at Potiphar's house, the prison, and then he was in charge in Egypt. Well, then his brothers come to him, you know, and, and want food because there's a great famine. They don't know. You remember that story. Well, this was amazing. This is so cool. This is a cool story. The Bible's cool. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Joseph, it says at the end, now this was when everything was good in Egypt. The Jews were favored. They weren't enslaved yet. Uh, He was, I mean, Joseph was the man. He ruled over Egypt. And so everybody treated him right. He had rule and reign. He told them, he said, he told the Jews, he said, years from now, you'll be enslaved you can, it's in Genesis chapter 50. Uh, y'all be enslaved, and uh, God will bring you out of this place. God promised Abraham a land. He will take you to that land. Here's what he said. Take my bones with you he wouldn't be called dead in egypt he said don't leave me here i want to be known for what god's doing i want to be on god's team i don't want to be left out of it i want to make a difference i want people to remember my life and said hey he stood on the promise remember he said god was going to take us out of egypt look we're going into we're going in the promised land holding joseph's bones remember his faith grandparents parents what legacy are you going to leave your children what memorial will there be of you it's important it's important. Not only did Mary pay it all, not only did the military pay it all, but I want to point you to Jesus, the Messiah. He paid it all. He, she anointed his body for burial. She knew what was coming. She knew that days from now, Jesus would be crucified. He'd be handed over. He would be, uh, he would be uh, brought to trial at a kangaroo court. And that they would find him guilty. They would have him beaten to the inch of his life, where he didn't—you couldn't even recognize him as a man. They knew that he would be; she knew he would be crucified. And that's when Jesus paid it all for us. When Jesus became our sacrifice, he became our sin. In the early eighteen hundreds there was a, a woman sitting in a choir loft such as this, and it was the first United Methodist Church of Baltimore in the early in the late 1800s. She's sitting there, and the preacher begins a service like many uh, with prayer, and his prayer became a little more lengthy than it usually was, and her mind began to drift like mine does sometimes. And as her mind is drifting, uh, she starts thinking about how sweet it is to be saved and be, be a Christian in salvation. As she's doing that, she's uh, got some words running around in her head, Mr. and She says, oh, I'm going to write these down while he's praying. And he did, she didn't have anything to write. But that hymn book. So she starts to write in the back of that hymn book what God laid on her heart. She gets to the end of the service. Preacher's out there shaking hands, and uh, she walks by and says, uh, Preacher, while you was praying, she didn't know if she going to get in trouble or not. Said, I wrote these words down. Thought you might like them. She didn't know what was going to happen. He said, Oh, praise the Lord. Uh, you might not know this, but our piano, she, uh, he just wrote a new melody. Let's, uh, uh, let's, let's put that together, see if it works. And friend, today it did work, and it has continued to work. You may know the lyrics. It goes, I find thy power and thine alone can change a leopard spot and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it. White as snow. Pretty good words, ain't it? Pretty true, ain't it? Jesus paid it all, all to him. Uh, Those words ring true today, and in this passage, uh, and in today's world, Jesus paid it all. Friend, if Jesus only paid 95%, me and you had to pay the rest 5% to get to heaven to be saved, friend, we'd be out of luck. We'd be out of luck. You see, uh, the Bible says our works are like filthy rags. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love or acceptance. Friend, we need to quit trying to be saved and trust what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He said on the cross, it is finished. It's complete. It's done. He has done all of it. We need to trust in that salvation. Now, I, I don't know where you are today in a service like this, in a crowd such as this on Memorial Day. There's no doubt in my mind there's people in this room who don't know Christ as Savior, who have never made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of their life. There's people in here today who, if they would to die today, they don't know if they'd go to heaven or the place the Bible calls hell. Can I tell you that's the only two options? But here's the good news. Jesus died for you. You don't have to die and go to the devil's hell. You can accept what Christ did for you on your behalf when he died for you. He He, he rose three days later to prove it, that he died for you. It was accepted by God the Father when he Give him life from the dead. Now, you say, why are you telling me that? Well, I'm telling you that because it's very pertinent information. So why so? This story strikes me when I was studying it. Think about this. Think about what Mary did. She anointed. Why did she anoint Jesus' body? For death. It would happen five days later. Imagine if we were uh, to go to Easter Sunday, and we were to walk down that road, down to the tomb where Jesus was buried. Imagine we were walking, all of us down that road, and we seen a few women. And we said, hey, what are, what are y'all doing, ladies? Where are y'all going? Oh, we're going to the tomb of Jesus. He was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. You see, uh, they... When he died, uh, they had to bury him so quick, we didn't have time to put perfume on the body, anoint him. You see, back in that day, they didn't embalm the body, the dead bodies. Um, they put perfume and ointment to um, to keep the stint away simply because of the, the humidity and the air there. And so that's what they did. So we're on our way to do that. We're going to ask those soldiers to roll that tomb away and let us go in there and, and, and put perfume on the body of Jesus. Oh, can we come with you? Yeah, come on, let's go. We get to that tomb. There's no reason to ask any soldiers to move that tomb. That tomb's been flipped over the hill. It's gone. And look inside. Nobody's in there. Jesus is rose from the dead. Nobody's in there. He said, what's your point? Had Mary have waited five days to anoint Jesus with that perfume, she wouldn't have been able to do it. She did what she could when she could. If she had waited, she had procrastinated, she wouldn't have been able to do it at all. Friend, there's time for you to give your life to Christ if you've never done it. That's the truth. That's the good news. But here's the bad news. This may be your last opportunity. Friend, you'll have no excuse in front of a holy God why you didn't accept his free gift of salvation. So you're just trying to scare people. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to be truthful. I don't know where I'll be tomorrow. I don't know. I'm not promised tomorrow, and neither are you, friend. So you better make it certain. Would you bow your head and pray with me today? I wonder today there's a person I was talking to who hasn't accepted Christ as Savior. If that's you today, I want you to listen up. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. You can nail it down where you'll spend eternity today by admitting that you're a sinner, knowing that that sin separated you from God. But yet, God has offered a sacrifice to forgive you of all your sins, past, present, and future, and to bring you back into relationship with Him so you can become a child of God. Now listen, if you make a decision to believe that God sent His Son for you, if you make that decision today, listen, the Holy Spirit of God will come into your life and transform you from the inside out. So friend, if you're ready to do that today, I'm going to pray a prayer and it's, there's no words that will save you, but if you mean it with all your heart, if you make that decision to accept Christ, the Bible says He will save you. That's not my words. That's God's Word. And if He don't save you, I'll quit preaching. I'll never preach again. But, friend, I know that He will because He did it for me. He's done it for others in here. So, friend, would you pray a prayer like this? God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe my sin separated me from You. But I believe that You sent Your Son to this earth to die in my place. Now, I believe three days later, he conquered the grave. Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? Lord, I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. God, thank you for saving me.